Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning again. I want to welcome you. If we haven't met, my name is Christian. I'm the lead pastor here. And when I say welcome, I know Walter already welcomed you, but this morning, I just want to notice or help you note that when we say welcome, we really do mean that. And I say that because um, whether you've been, uh, you can't remember a time when there were not Sundays where you were walking through church doors, or you're kind of like me, you didn't really kind of just grew up going to church every so often when people decided you really needed some kind of you know, thing to make your Sunday miserable, or... Um, or, or more recently, you've just decided, hey, this is now this thing that, that I'm going to try out or check out or whatever. I mean, we, we all a different spectrum. But regardless of what your story is, uh, the facts are walking in these doors can be uncomfortable. I mean, it, it can really be difficult. Um, and it, again, even if you say, hey, this, this is what I've done my whole life, there's still those, those days you walk in and you go, well, I've got to go engage with other people. And, and not just that, but I'm supposed to be stepping into, in a certain way, the presence of God, and, and that is uncomfortable. And somebody's going to talk to me about that God, and they're going to look at this book that I, you know, is, is old, and, and there's, there's all these different things that can show up that, that can feel very uncomfortable when we talk about just what it takes to walk in the doors of a place like this on a Sunday. And, and you can talk about it on a, a daily basis, talk about it just in in a broader sense, you know, I found this church in a particular way. Um, we were at a, a key turning point in our lives, just a, a point where we felt like the Lord was leading us to consider leaving a spot that we loved and, and going somewhere else. Um, not to, to leave something, but so much as to, to go towards something. And in the midst of that, through a relationship, we found ourselves making a move and coming to a city we'd, we'd only visited a couple times and, uh, and coming and becoming a part of the Grove. That, that's our story of how this became our church. And some of you found this church before it was a church. I mean, it was, you were a part of this little community before it was, was even a church. It was the dream of a church. It was the, the possibility of what might be, and the community got started in that way. And other, others of you have joined us in the time since then, since then. some because of a friendship. Right? That, there was some friendship that, that connected you and brought you here. Others of you have found us because, you know, just technology, you, you did a search, hey, church is in Gladstone, or something along those lines, and, and for whatever reason, you, you decided that, that our website looked good, I don't know, you know, you just, you, you figured it out, you decided, hey, I'll come check out this place, and you, you were part of it. And, and some of you, when you became a part of this community, you did it as a Christ follower, but for some of you, you, you sort of became a part of the community, but you weren't yet a Christ follower. That came later. So our, our stories are, are different, but there is this commonality that searching for a church or, or becoming a part of a church, again, can be uncomfortable. It can be awkward. It's just difficult. And if we've seen anything in uh, this last year and a half to two years of, of the COVID era, um, we, we know that forming and maintaining the kind of community that is intended in a church is very difficult. It, it doesn't come easy. Again, there's this 
uncomfortable aspect to it. And so in this series, what we're doing starting today and for the next three weeks after today is trying to look at the uncomfortable nature of genuine Christian community. Really ask the question, what's involved in genuine Christian community? This is not something for, for many of us, it's not something like, going, wow, we've never talked about this before. No, we talk about it a lot, in fact, because it is difficult. But I, I want us to help lean into and, and recognize some of the things that do make it uncomfortable, and I think that will help us as we uh, launch into a new year of, of ministry. For us, you know, I mean, there's, there's the start of a calendar year, and then there's the start of what we would call the ministry year, which is just that school starts back, and a lot of things just sort of get going again. Um, and as we do that, we're, we're starting group life again, we're getting that rolling, and, and just and trying to get back to, hey, how do we do the things that God has called us to do as a people? Now that there is some flexibility, a little bit more freedom in terms of being together, and again, still trying to be wisely cautious, but also wisely courageous, and, and figure out how do we engage in this community life together. So that's what we're going to look at today, and I want to take us back to a passage that, again, not, not something we've never looked at before, but I want us to see it again and pay attention to some of these characteristics of genuine Christian community. So we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Uh, verses 19 through 25. I'm going to read the first four verses and uh, explain something here first. So it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, um, and I'm going to stop there for a second. Okay, we're going to look in more depth in terms of what's being talked about here. Some of the, there's a lot of background to what we're reading. Okay, some of the words that seem, maybe seem odd, there's a lot of background there. We're going to dive more into that next week. But but just know we're, we're saying that because something has happened, something else is true, okay? So it goes on. Uh, we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Okay, so I want us to see first off that the Christian life, this, this life of following Jesus Christ, first understand is deeply personal. Okay? This, is, this is a deeply personal thing. When we talk about what it is to be a Christ follower, what it is to be a Christian, whatever term you want to use, we talk about saying that we have life in Christ. This is something deeply, deeply personal. And, and I want to make it, make it clear. What we've said, we just sang, right? there, is, there is only one source of this particular kind of life. And Jesus is that source. He is our solid rock. Everything else, we believe, is sinking sand. doesn't mean there aren't good times to be had on the sand, but ultimately, eternally, what we understand is that Jesus is the only source of this kind of lasting life. And so, because of that, he is the source. He, it creates for us a certain kind of boldness, we're told here. We're, we're told that there's this way that's been inaugurated, that's been started. This new way has been created, and we have a great high priest. And what's being talked about here is that, that both Jesus has done something in the past that has incredible implications for us, but also that Jesus is and continues to be and will continue to be someone who changes our future. 
That he is not only the one that blazed the trail to start this new way, but he is the one overseeing that new way. He is keeping us. He is helping us. He is our high priest. Again, background. We'll talk about it a little bit more next week. But that's, that's the starting point here. Jesus is the one who's begun this thing. We're, we're told a little later in this book, he's described, Jesus is described as a pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Okay, he's a pioneer. You think about the pioneers, right? The covered wagons and, I don't know, hats or something, and they're, they're traveling along, but they're, they're blazing a trail. And that's Jesus. He's, he is the pioneer of our faith. He is the one who blazes the trail for this new kind of life to be possible. But he's not just pioneering it, he's perfecting it. He is, he is going to be the one that brings our faith to completion until we're told in the scriptures that faith becomes sight. That we no longer have to, to wait in hope and expectation, but instead this thing has been done for us, it has been accomplished, and now we're with him fully, completely. And so that's, that's this life that we're describing. It, it's life in him, and it's through him. And he's the one that gives us this incredible access that's described here. It says we can draw near to God. We can, we can come before the living God. And then we're told to hold fast to this confession that we have, that, that we should secure it. That we, we, not because we're afraid that it, it might disappear from us. And instead, the very opposite, because we're told hold fast to this thing because he's faithful. In, in other words, he's going to hold on to us. But we hold fast to him because there's nowhere else. Everything else is sinking sand. He creates this kind of life. And this is a life that is deeply personal. We, we have to apply this to each of us individually. Now understand, we, we also sang something there that occurred to me. There's this question in one of those songs that, why should I gain from his reward? See, there's a certain sense of what, what the scripture teaches is that uh, essentially Jesus accomplishes something that we were supposed to accomplish, but we failed to do. And what God is showing us through centuries and, and, and millennia is we, we can't accomplish it on our own. And so then Jesus comes and he accomplishes it for us. He, he secures for us an inheritance, an eternal inheritance. It's described in the book of Ephesians as, as an inheritance where we have all the spiritual riches in heaven. And so that's been secured for us. And, and what you have is he receives this inheritance, this reward, but then he, he passes it along to us. And so in that sense, we are benefit, benefiting. We are gaining from his reward. But it's important to understand when it comes to gaining, from, gaining that reward, re- receiving that inheritance that Christ secures, that him doing that, he's the only one that can do that for us. In other words, and I had a, one of my, I mean, I had many believing grandparents, even though we didn't grow up going to church, but, but one believing grandmother in particular, who I know prayed so faithfully for, for us. Because I remember later, after I came to Christ, explaining to her one time, just as we were in the midst of, as after Sarah and I were married, explaining to her when there were some unknowns in our life and we're trying to figure out next, just saying something very simply like, I know God, that God's going to take care of us. And, and hearing her sort of break down over the phone, and that was not me trying to impress my grandma, that was just trying to be honest about where my faith was, and, and hearing the love and appreciation in her voice, because I know she prayed for me for years and years and years. And so her, her faith had an immense impact on me, but she couldn't pass it on to me. 
in a certain sense, right? It, it's passed on from the standpoint that I get to watch it, I get to, but, but she can't believe for me. There's this individual, personal aspect of our believing. Another way to say it, right? There, there are no trust fund babies in the kingdom of God. Okay? Just understand that. There, there is, you, you have to believe for yourself. We're told this, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, says this, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, uh, again, the, there are acts of faith by the church okay, that can help you. Some of you, that's your story. Somebody, the, either your parents or, or you had some experience as a kid prior to you knowing anything about the Christian life, anything about Jesus. But, but th- acts of faith were taken to say, hey, we want to, to help you. We, want, we believe that there's a heritage for you. There's, there's this good thing that we want for you. And so certain acts of faith were, were demonstrated. But those are not the same as you believing, you confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that he is the Lord. That's how the scriptures tell us. And this is, listen, we can have a longer discussion about this. But there, there's much more to unpack here, but, but just at its heart, this is what we're told, that this is an individual thing that has to take place. So the Christian life is deeply personal. But know this, it's not private. It is not private. Now, again, I don't assume that everybody's in, in this room is in the same place in terms of their understandings of things. We love the fact that people would come and be a part of uh, a worship service where uh, we're talking about Jesus. But we also understand that um, people have different different faith backgrounds. They have different commitments. And there are some commitments where you'd say, hey, no, it is absolutely private. This is my own thing. I don't, I don't share this with anybody else. This, nope, this is just my own thing. It's private. That's fine. What I'm telling you is when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to Christianity as Jesus has laid it out, as the, the scriptures hand it to us and, and explain it to us, is that it is deeply personal, but it is not private. I, I want you to know, just uh, we're looking back at what we just saw, verses 19 to 23. The word there is, therefore, not brother or sister, but brothers and sisters. Not since you have boldness, but since we have boldness. And, and it goes on and on and on like that. There's this understanding that we are to receive this, this faith together. Now, individually, I have to believe, I have to trust Jesus and what he's done, and I get to receive the inheritance that he's secured on my behalf. Christian life is deeply personal, but it is not private. And so I want us to see now the implications that come out of that truth. Hebrews chapter 10 goes on, verse 24 and 25. It says, Let us watch out for one another, to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And again, we're going to look at some of the qualities of Christian community, but, but understand this first, that Christian community is this uncomfortable challenge that is easily neglected. Okay? This is what we're told. There are, there are communal you know, community implications for our faith. This is meant to create a certain kind of community. But it is this uncomfortable challenge. And notice there's that, that point. Hey, don't neglect to gather together. 
That's at the center of this whole thing. Don't neglect to gather together. It's because this kind of community is easily neglected. That, that warning has to be there because it's easy to neglect doing this. The, the words actually there is don't neglect synagoguing together. Okay, so you see this carryover from the Jewish faith. I mean, Jesus is Jewish. He comes, though, and shows that, hey, this is all pointing to something even greater. But they use this terminology. They, they use this same kind of idea that, hey, we're going to continue to meet together. And it says, don't neglect synagoguing together. But, but think about it. There were some really good reasons to give up meeting. I mean, we, we can find them today, right? I mean, like, what time's the Chiefs game? I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things, you know, good reasons to, to consider not meeting. But they had good reasons to neglect meeting at this time. I mean, first, you can think about it personally. I mean, think about it. They were told, I mean, Jesus is there, and he can only be in, in one, I mean, really, in one place at, at, at one time. And so he's got big crowds around him, but, but when he's there, you know, they, they've got to meet together because he's at the center. He's supposed to be at the center of everything. So for them to meet and really gather and encourage each other, he, well, he, we got to go where he is. But then he leaves. I mean, he, he dies, he's resurrected, and, but then he leaves and he says, it's good for me that I go because I'm going to send you a helper. And he does. He, he gives his people the Holy Spirit of God. The third part of the Trinity comes and he says, and, and dwells in us. There's this life that is given to us in Christ, where God himself lives in us. So easily they could have said, well, well you know, wait, we've got the Holy Spirit now. We're not tethered to a person. We're, we're definitely not tethered to a place anymore because Jesus is the better place than that temple. Now we are the temple. So we've got the Holy Spirit. We've got bold access to the Father. It isn't dependent on another human being. So why do we have to keep meeting? Just go about our business, we'll all spread out, and we'll be good. But that's not the kind of life that's laid out for them. They had a personal reason. They also had persecution was a reason. I mean, the facts were it was harder to deal with this church if they would just keep to themselves. It was a lot easier to persecute them, and a major part of the book of Hebrews, not to mention many of the other New Testament books, has to do with the fact that these people were being persecuted for their faith. Like they, they were dealing with very real difficulties as a result of being Christ followers. Not for simply believing some different, you know, having some different moral convictions about the, the, the society, but because they trusted Christ. And, and so you can look at that and go, well, if they had just kind of kept their noses down and, and not you know, met together, not made a big fuss, it would have been a lot easier on them. But that's not the way... They're told, they said, don't, no, don't neglect to meet together. So, so persecution was another reason why they could have. It would have been a good reason to neglect meeting together. And then finally, I mean, you just think about it. Just preferences are sometimes a good reason not to meet together. The, the facts are maintaining relationships is difficult. Just keeping good relationships is really hard. And if you read, again, through the New Testament, what you see is, again and again, this tendency for relationships to break down. Even for the, the greatest heroes of our faith, people who, who should have this figured out, we look to them and go, oh, they got it. And yet they had hard times. Paul, Peter, these people, they had a hard time maintaining relationships. It's easy for groups to, to get upset. It's easy for things to go awry. 
So they have reasons why they could neglect meeting together. This is the tendency for community, and it's the tendency even for Christian community, for it to be neglected. And the facts are, for us, this is where, again, things get uncomfortable. Because we're told, hey, don't neglect to meet together, but there are just times where we want to be somewhere else. And if you hear that, you say, oh, Christian said today that we can't ever miss a, a Sunday. That's not what I said. But I will say that it's far too easy, and I, my, me, my family, we're guilty of this as well, it's far too easy to look at Sunday as this negotiable thing that just sort of, if it fits my, my calendar, then I'll, I'll make it a priority. But that's the thing that's being warned against here. So we would not neglect this essential aspect of Christian community. And so what are the, the characteristics then? Why bother? Why bother with this? Well, well, the result that we're shown here is that there is actually a breakdown in our life in Christ. There's a breakdown. When we neglect to meet together, there becomes a breakdown in our life in Christ. See, the the vision that's laid out here and, and through the New Testament is for a congregation, not an aggregation. Okay, well, what's the difference? See, a, a congregation is, is where there's a common life with personal connection to a source of life. An aggregation is just common interests. And, and so I heard one um, teacher this week describe it like this, a really great analogy. He said, you know, think about what's the difference between a bag of marbles. You guys know what marbles are, right? I mean, that's, we don't play marbles as much anymore. But you take a bag of marbles. Okay, what's the difference between a bag of marbles and a cluster of grapes? There, there's some similarities. We can see the similarities, right? This, this group of, you know, sphere-like objects all kind of brought together. Well, and the difference is that a bag of marbles is an aggregation. Right? It's a cluster of things brought together by some common interest. All these things have similar properties, and they can be used to do certain things. But a cluster of graves... These things brought together, but they they have a common life source. And and what happens is you can pull a marble out of that bag, and it has really very little bearing on the rest of the bag. But you pluck a grape off of that cluster, and the other grapes suffer. And, and, And when you remove a grape from the life source, something goes on in it. I mean, it 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 dies, it has a problem. You see, so we're meant to be a congregation who, who are together because, not because we all had the same interests and all thought, oh, this is the best place we could all be. And everybody thought, man, that's the best music I've ever seen. And everybody thought, oh, that guy's the best teacher, preacher I've ever heard. Those are not the things that unite us. The thing that unites us is life in Christ. And that's far different. That's a, a congregation that then says, and, and now we've got to figure out how, how we make this work. How do we make this kind of Christian community work. What happens between me and Jesus impacts what happens to others. So what does genuine Christian community look like? And this is just to to lay a foundation that we'll we'll then look at in more depth over the next few weeks. Here's what we find just looking here in Hebrews 10, which I think, again, gives us this great summary of what it is. When it's genuine, Christian community is marked by four things. One is considering. It starts off there in verse 24, let us watch out for one another. This kind of community involves considering, watching out for one another, having an eye out 
for people. You think about it, if you've ever been to a counselor or, or you know, therapist type person, what are they doing? You, you come in and, and you said, hey, I want, I want your input, I want your help. And what do they do? They sit and they, they look at you and they take notes. Well, why? Because they're studying you. They're, they're, you. You've asked for their input, and they're studying you, and they're trying to give you helpful feedback. But they can't give you feedback if you just show up and say, hey, tell me what's wrong with me. They're like, I don't know. Your socks don't match. I, what, what do you want me to say? Like, but you, you have to know this person. And so there's a, certain, there's a studying that has to take place. In the same way, this is what we are to do for one another, is be watching out for each other, having an eye on one another, being able to look and go, hey, what's going on with you? It's not just something one person can do. It's something we're to do for one another. Watch out for one another. But that's uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Because we don't like eyes on us, right? There's not, I mean, this is, this is this thing I've learned to do, but, but not many of you want to, it doesn't matter what the subject would be, not many of you want to just come stand on stage in front of everybody, Okay? That's just an uncomfortable place to be. We don't want eyes on us. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable having somebody look at me going, well, okay, I'm, I'm trying to, to get a feel for who you are. That's uncomfortable. But that's the kind of community that we're supposed to cultivate. This genuine community involves considering one another. And it only gets worse, because here's the second thing. It also involves provoking one another, Right? Watch out for one another. Why? To provoke something. To provoke each other. <laughs> See, our, our watching is meant to create this provocation. And, and the image here is that of a farmer dealing with stubborn oxen. Right? Well, what do you, got? you got this ox that doesn't want to move. What do you got to do? Well, you got you to goad it. You got to provoke it. You get a long stick with a little tack on the end and you, you hit that thing and you're not trying to hurt the thing. You're just trying to make it uncomfortable enough that it keeps on moving. It's not meant to do damage. It's meant to help that, that oxen do what it's intended to do. And so it is that this is the kind of life that we're to have with one another. Where we, we actually provoke one another. We, we help each other move forward because it's just so easy to get stagnant. It's so easy to just sort of get stubborn and stay in place and not progress. But genuine Christian community is meant to help us move forward. Well, what's the problem there? Well, that's uncomfortable. Goading is irritating. Especially if we say, well, no, I'm comfortable where I am. I'm, I'm comfortable with things the way they are. I certainly don't want somebody else telling me what to do. And yet at the same time, think about that. There are all kinds of situations where if somebody would just come in and tell us what to do? Man, wouldn't it make life a little easier? <laughs> if someone could just say, hey, yeah, do this and don't do that, and we'd go, oh, thank you. Gosh, just took something off my plate. I mean, because so much of life is trying to figure out, well, what do I do? And, and what do I not, don't I do? And how do I do this differently? And we, we really do need people in our life helping with that. But again, this is uncomfortable. The facts are, there are times where we do really understand some stuff, but there's plenty about ourselves that we don't know. There are things that are just blind to us. 
those commercials years ago about growing nose blind, right? We, you, just, you grow nose blind, you can't smell anything. I'm, I'm just always nose blind. I don't smell anything. But, but here's the thing. There are things about ourselves that we grow nose blind. We, we just, we have no idea what's really going on because we think we see the whole view, but we only see so much. There are things that other people see that if we would forge good relationships, they could come not in a way to Again, destroy us. We're not trying to make the ox. You know, we're not, we're not, it's not about barbecuing the ox. It's about letting the ox go do the work that it's meant to do. And, and, and so if we were to help each other, say, hey, you know, I'm not sure you know this, but this is what happens, then, then we're able to make progress. We're able to move forward. Now, also have to be careful here because some of us are too good at this. Right? Some of you are really good. You're like, man, I got my little, my little goad, <laughs> and I'm, I'm good. I can use this. I know how, to ha- I know how this thing works. Okay. So we've got to be careful there. And I, I say that as somebody who's been, unfortunately, too good at, at the provocation. So it, it goes both ways. We've we got to be able to receive it as well. And we also have to recognize what that provoking is meant to do. What, where is it meant to take us? Well, third thing. It's meant to take us to loving good works. It's meant to take us to serving. The, the third characteristic of genuine Christian community. We are not only a people who are considering one another, who are provoking one another, but our provoking and considering is meant to lead us to serving, to this others-centeredness that results in good for other people. Love for the brethren, love for the people around us, and good works in our community, in our spheres of influence, in our work, in our hobbies, in all the things that we do, good works that are meant to point to our Creator, point to our, our faith and trust in a, a holy God who loves us, who's, who's given us this new life. And so if our considering and our provoking is not resulting in that, if it's not for that purpose, right? Because sometimes our considering and our provoking is not for loving and good works, love and good works. Sometimes our considering and our provoking is so that my life is more comfortable. I'm going to consider you, I'm going to provoke you so that you'll get out of my way so I can do what I want to do. That's not the kind of consideration and provocation that's being talked about here. It's this kind of community where we're loving one another, where we're serving others. It's the kind of community that ultimately produces this last thing, which is encouraging. Genuine Christian community is ultimately encouraging. What does it mean to encourage? We know. It means to put courage into. I, I've tried to think about it, because encourage becomes this, has become this word, and it's in our mission statement, right? What, why do we exist? Well, to help people discover, encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus. We want to encourage them, but, but it's easy for encourage to be this like loose thing that we just pass, oh, I was so encouraged by that. And I've had to think about my own way of, when I say that. Really? Am I more courageous as a result of that? Or am I just saying, I had warm fuzzies? You know, I was inspired, maybe. But am I courageous? Am I going to take steps forward? See, again, that's the kind of community we're talking about. If it's provoking that's just meant to leave me over here in the corner, afraid to move, that's not the kind of life we're talking about. But if it's the kind of Again, consideration, provoking, serving, that puts courage into others. That's what God is about. To put courage into one another. 
But again, there's this uncomfortable thing that there are things we're actually afraid of. And we have to be willing to admit that I need courage. There are things in my life where I need courage to move forward. In fact, C.S. Lewis says this so well, just in the importance of courage in all kinds of things. He says this, courage, is, this is in the screw tape letters, courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point, which means at the point of highest reality, a chastity or honesty or mercy which yields to danger will be chaste or honest or merciful only on conditions. Pilate was merciful till it became risky. And Pilate is the leader who gave the charge to crucify Jesus. He, he wanted to be merciful, but then there came that point where it was, well, will I listen to the people or will I listen to what I think is good judgment? And he listens to the people. His courage wilts at that highest point of reality. And what Lewis is saying is, look, there's all, all the virtues, all the things that we go about doing. There's some point of courage where we have to say, will I listen to what God has said? Will I listen to what my friends in Christ have told me is good? Or will I give in to the message of the world? Will I give in to the message of culture? Where I want to be courageous, but no, I'm going to just go along with what everybody is saying is a better way. But it's not Jesus. It's not pursuing him. We need courage. And that's the kind of thing that this kind of community is meant to produce. As we wrap up, just think about it, right? This can sound pretty good, but most of the time our mind, my mind goes to, well, yeah, I want that. I want that for me. The question that really turns this for us is, do I want it enough that I'm willing to do it before I receive it? That's where it gets hard. Is that there will be times where you're pursuing this and others don't seem to have, you know, hey, did you listen to the message yet? Like, did you, did you, can, I, can I give you a copy? Like, if you, do you need like a CD burned or something? Like, is that the problem? I mean, we, we get into this, this kind of thing where we, we want it to take place, but we want everybody to have it all at once and get it until we're going to do it. And it just can't work that way. Instead, this is something that we take it on and we say, you know what? I'm going to pursue this. Christ in me, through his help, I'm going to pursue this kind of community. And as we do that, you say, yeah, it's not, we're not really there yet. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but we continue to pursue that. And at some point you go, man, I, that, that's begun to happen. I'm seeing that. I'm experiencing that. This is the point of groups, guys. I, I, again, I'm going to just unashamedly say, you're around here. You're a part of the life of the Grove. We want for you to be in a group. I, I, there, I mean, we have to report certain numbers. Just like I don't even know why. There's certain things that we report to people. That it doesn't matter. So I'm just telling you, like, I, this is not for any other reason than we want for you to be in a group. Because all of this can't take place with all of us all at once. But it can happen as we commit to one another. You say, well, yeah, but... I don't, I need this and this and this, and I got these others. I get it. But I'm telling you, you need to be in a group, not just for you, but because other people need you in a group. Because your being there helps put courage into them. You say, yeah, but I got a lot going. I know, I know. But you being a part of this kind of thing, serving when these opportunities come up, you being there, it makes a difference. You say, well, I, you know, I went a couple times and it just wasn't doing anything. I know. 
And, and I'm not going to guarantee you're going to come back and it's going to be this like mind-blowing thing for you to come and sit around and talk with people for an hour and a half. It probably won't once or twice. But when we commit to do that over the long haul, all of a sudden we look up and go, man, that thing that he was talking about, that thing that's described here, I think it's starting to happen. But it happens as we take these steps to consider one another, to provoke one another, to serve and encourage one another. So I want to encourage you, (laughs) or I don't know, what's the good word? I want to help you consider that, to think about that, to think about, you know, the uncomfortable nature of, of being a part of church life and going, yeah, it's just not quite what I want it to be, and say, okay, well then, how do I help? How do I dig in and help create this thing that, because I see what it can be, I see what it should be, and because of what Jesus has done, I know that this is how it will be. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the life that we have in Christ. Thank you for your work, Jesus on the cross, to give for us an inheritance that we could not secure for ourselves. Lord Jesus, this kind of life, showing up among your people, is unusual and it's uncomfortable. We don't want it to be unusual. We pray for your help for when it's uncomfortable. I pray that you would guide us as we consider our next steps, whether that's jumping into a group, maybe it's showing up to serve. Help us to forge this kind of community as a church. And may that kind of community be something that others see and want to be a part of. Lord, we thank you. We pray for your help, your guidance. We, we again, recognize We don't have this figured out, but we want to seek you. And so help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.